but man, the work ethic, it, it really was just instilled with us uh, from our parents, man. Mm. You know, it, it was, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur himself. He was working two jobs for six years to get his, his business off the ground. Uh, he's now, you know, the second largest uh, distributor of fitness equipment in, in the U.S. So uh, we watched him and, you know, we watched my mom, you know, she probably had more than a full-time job raising five of us. And, you know, every day she had this ridiculous calendar with 10 to 12, you know, different events that she had to drive us to and get us ready for. But, um, you know, everything had to be earned and that's what our parents instilled in us. So, you know, if you want something awesome, you know, find a way to get it, you know, get that paper route, you know, you're going to umpire games. I was working for my dad when I was 15, um, you know, delivery treadmills in, in the inner city of Buffalo. So, um, you know, if you wanted a car, great, you know, save up your money, buy a car. You want to go to college? That's awesome. You're paying for it. Or mm. you'll find a way to get a, get a scholarship. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. And listen, today on the show, we're going to be talking about your dreams getting shattered and how you can bounce back after that. And listen, I know that when your dreams get shattered, it can be extremely gut-wrenching and put you in a place of deep despair, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, there are so many people who have turned life's greatest obstacles into something incredible, and my guest today is no different. You probably will recognize his name either from his appearance on ABC's Shark Tank for the product he created or from his career in the NFL. His brother is arguably one of the greatest tight ends to ever play in the NFL, just to give you a hint as to who this might be. Today, I am thrilled to have Chris Gronkowski on the show, and Chris played in the league for four years, and his career came to an end, and he had a choice to either let that define him for the rest of his life or to rediscover his identity, and he did just that and used the incredible work ethic he developed in the NFL to become an entrepreneur and develop a highly popular ice shaker, a protein shaker bottle that would alleviate many of the issues he and other avid athletes experience with a standard protein shaker. And the idea was such a success that two sharks on ABC Shark Tank invested in their business has skyrocketed ever since. In this episode, he shares about what it was like growing up as a Gronk, an inside look at playing in the NFL, his brother Rob, how you can outwork anyone to get what you want in life, and how he used the challenges he faced in his life to his advantage. So let's get this conversation rolling and welcome Chris Gronkowski to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Chris, man, thank you so much for hopping on. Hey, Doug, what's going on, man? The first day of the NFL, the first day I was actually back at the gym this morning as well. So I'm actually feeling really good, man. Yeah, man, I bet. And, you know, first day of the NFL, we're recording. It's Thursday. So I got to ask. I'm sure everybody asks you this. Did you know that your bro was going to come out of retirement and go to the go back to Tampa? Yeah, he killed me with that, man. I got <laughs> asked that question um, by TMZ the week <laughs> before or the month before. And they were like, so, you know, what would happen if your brother came back? I was like, man, I'd be shocked. <laughs> I, I don't think that's happening because man, when I left uh, the NFL, it was just such a stress relief, man. Like it's such a grind. And once it's over, it's so hard to go back. You know, you're out of that zone. You're out of that mindset and you know, you're living a good life, man. He's making a ton of money. Like he's making just as much outside of football. And it's like, 
oh, that, that, that world is not easy. Uh, you know, playing in the NFL, it's not a game, man. It's a job and it's a hard job and it's a super stressful job as well. So, uh, man, he's still young. And I guess when you're still the best at what you do, it's very hard to walk away from it. And so, man, you know, if that fire is still there, you'd always have that what if, right? If you didn't go back. So I think that's why he did it. And, um, I'm pumped, man. I think they're going to crush it this year. Yeah, it'll be definitely be interesting to sure to see. Interesting for sure to see how him and uh and and little Tommy do Tommy without <laughs> without without Belichick, right? And just seeing like you know was it was it Belichick? Was it Brady? I mean, I'm not saying that they all weren't didn't have their gifts, but you know you hear a lot of people say that you know Belichick's the reason the Patriots won. Then you hear Brady, then you hear your brother. So you know one of the things I wanted to to ask you is. Like, why do you think that the players, their career is so short in the NFL? I mean, obviously your brother has made it through numerous concussions and has won multiple Super Bowls and got all kinds of accolades and then Brady. But, you know, you were kind of only in the NFL for a few years and you're, and you're not the only one. The average, what, career is what, like three years, something like that? It's, it's, it's uh, two and a half. So they, it's, it's like that on purpose. You get pension, you get all the benefits at three. So you get vested at three years. Mm. And so uh, the average is two and a half is what it comes down to and. There's so many different reasons for that. Uh, you know, definitely injuries is one. That's a big one. Uh, it's very hard to stay healthy. Uh, and, and if you're hurt, you're damaged goods, man. So you're you're gone, uh, especially if you get hurt in camp. You know, number two is, um, you know, playbook. You know, a lot of guys can't pick it up, man. It's 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 a big playbook. And you have to be able to to learn pretty quick. And you also have to learn on your feet, man. In college, you know, you could they, they pretty much could hold up a sign, right? You see the signs on the sideline. You're like, what the hell does that mean? Well, it, it tells the player exactly what he's doing. Uh, you know, in the NFL, it's it's not like that. You know, you walk up to the line, you have a quarterback like a you know like a Brady or a Peyton Manning. He's calling out one word on the line in a split second. You have to know exactly what you're doing. So you have to be a, a pretty smart and intelligent person. And then also with that, your know, play changes as the defense changes. So you, know, you could walk up to the line. It could be zone. You're reading zone, and the second they snap the ball. You know, this guy blitzes and they go to man coverage and all of a sudden, you know, you're not running the same route that you were before. So uh, there's so many different reasons that people don't make it. Um, a lot of it is, is you know, actually knowing the playbook. A lot of it's staying healthy. Um, and then a lot of it's also financial reasons, man. Every year that you play, you get paid more. You know, it's a mm -hmm. minimum. So uh, for me, you know, I, I was going into my fourth year. My first year, I got paid 305. So. For everyone who thinks uh, you're a millionaire, you know, play, playing in the NFL, uh, it's not necessarily the case. It's actually only very few guys on the team making over a million per year. Wow. Uh, so I made 305 my first year. You know, you take, let's see, um, agent fees. Um, you know, you have to pay the union and then uh, taxes, state taxes. And you also pay in every state that you play. So even though I was in Texas, I had to pay in every state I played in. But you take all that out, uh, cost of living, and, um, you know, maybe I had 150 after my first year as a starting fullback for the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, but every year you get paid a little more. So second year, I think was, was four Oh five, you know, third year was five forty or something like that. And then, you know, the fourth year it's even more. So as you continue to play, you become more expensive as well. And so, uh, you know, they're going to bring in a rookie if they can to replace you. And so that also makes it a challenge because they're constantly looking to, to save money, man. It's a business at the end of the day. Yeah, you're right. It is a business. And um, a buddy of mine, I think I saw him, he was on Mark Devine's podcast too, just like you were Anthony Trucks. And he was on my show. I don't know if you're familiar with Anthony, but 
he said NFL stands for like not for long. Um, yeah. It's kind of like yeah, a funny man. acronym, right? And I think it's really true because a lot of people on the outside, like fans, you know, people like sitting on the couch watching TV, they don't get how much of a business the league really is, right? And it's like, you know, they got to make money too. And, you know, if you're not an asset to a team, I mean, you get cut, you know, in a way, right? And a lot of people, it's easy for us to sit there and be like, wow, these guys are overpaid you know, millionaires or whatever people might say when, when they're talking about athletes, but they don't understand this is like a dream, right? So like you're growing up, you got what, your four brothers, right? And you all are pretty much all are athletes, but like your, was it your oldest that wasn't an athlete or was it your youngest that wasn't an athlete? No, so we all played pro sports. The oldest brother just never played football. Oh, that's scared, what it was. He's scared. Yeah. He played he's, baseball, right? Yeah. He's a baseball player. Got, got drafted from the minors um, and played and got hurt. And, um, you know, he, he bounced around in the minor leagues for a while, but just wasn't, wasn't a football player, man. I think he regrets it now, but, um, you know, at the time in high school, he was small, he was 16, mm. 180 maybe. And, uh, he went the baseball route instead. So did you always know growing up that you were going to like play in the NFL? Was that a dream of yours or just kind of just organically happened just through everything that, ha- everything that happened with your family? I mean, you'd probably say, well, first off, we didn't play football until high school. So it wasn't like we were like this football family, like mm. we were playing Pop Warner and all that shit. We were, uh, you know, we were just athletes. We, and we were because my parents couldn't handle us being inside all day. It was, you take five boys, you leave them inside in the house. All we did was fight, man. It was just all brawls nonstop. So it was like, all right, get the hell out of the house, go outside, you know, play baseball, do whatever you need to do to get that energy out. You guys are not sitting inside watching TV. So, you know, it's just bring competition. You, you play against your brothers. You play against all the friends every day. And, you know, it's going to be a battle. And it's going to be a, a challenge every day. And it's going to end in a fight as well. So, uh, you know, we, we took that and we put it into sports. And, and that's how that all came about. So the goal really wasn't, you know, to, to make it to the NFL. I actually thought I had zero chance. You know, all you get told every single year by your teachers and by everyone is, hey, this is a dream. Very, very few people make it. It's one in a million or whatever it is. Like, you know, get your grades because it's probably not happening for you. And so you hear that over and over and over again. So for me, I was like, damn, you know, man, I'm not even the best in my family. I'm not even the second best, man. Like what the hell is, you know, there's no way in hell I'm making it. So I went to school and really my goal was, you know, let's get to college and, you know, get the best education possible. And I was lucky enough to get a last minute scholarship offer uh, to the University of Maryland and they'll get to college for free at division one. And um, from there, it was still the same goal, man. I ended up actually transferring playing with Robert Arizona. But at that point it was, you know, I was one of two football players in the business school and it was, you know, let's, let's get an accounting degree because it's the hardest degree I could think of right. so that I could leave it and make, you know, make the most money possible. And then, you know, along the way, I obviously was going to put my all into into athletics as well. And when you have your brother on your team, it's going to be a competition between brothers, no matter what. And, you know, that just led to us pushing each other harder and harder and harder. It led to an opportunity where, you know, uh, you know, scouts might've been coming in to see Rob, but they were also seeing me at the same time. And, um, you know, they all, all of a sudden started asking about me a little bit too. So, uh, so got that yeah, chance. that's awesome. So you played at Maryland. My little brother actually went to Maryland. I'm from Baltimore. So I'm like college parks, like an hour from me. Right. Yeah, man. Did you play for Freegion? Was he there when you were there? Uh, yes, he was, man. So yeah, Freegion was the reason I left Maryland. Oh. So, I mean, he was a coach. I mean, man, he was just, super old school right yeah um, yeah yeah you, know, you walk by him in the hallway you say hi to him he looks the other way it's like Come right on, man but um his mentality was next man up like yo, know, you if you go down you know that's you don't care 
You know, it, it's mm-hmm. next man up mentality. You know, some of the hardest workouts you ever get put through. I mean, our, our winter workouts were at 5 a.m. and he would turn the gym to as hot as he possibly could in the middle of the winter. And then he just lined it up with garbage cans. And you're like, man, what's, what's, what are the garbage cans for? Well, you know, you were going to run until you threw up. So we're just going to do drills and do drills and do drills until like half the team threw up. And then, uh, you know, that'd be about an hour and a half. And then, you know, next, you just, you just dread the next week, man. You're just like, Hey, are we really doing this again next week? And that was his mentality, man. He was just going to beat you down and you were going to be the toughest dudes that were on the field. And man, we were tough. That's for damn sure. But it was a tough program to play in. And, um, yeah, I can After, imagine because I, you remember it was at a few years ago. It was a Jordan McNair who played at Maryland. You know, he died of heat stroke, right? And, you know, I just remember, you know, reading that and hearing that. And it was obviously it was all over ESPN and everything. And you're like, wow, like it really like woke you up to how intense, you know, the training can be um, for football and how sometimes like, you know, these coaches and trainers or whatever just push these kids to limits that don't even really need to be pushed to, in my opinion, you know, like I was saying before we recorded, I've been a trainer now for almost a decade and I don't really, I honestly have never been the guy that's like, yeah, I'm just going to push somebody until they puke. Like, what is that really, are they really getting better? I mean, is that really like making or breaking them into a better human being? Or is that just like an ego thing to be like, wow, like I got that person to puke. And I'm not saying that there's not tough workouts where you're like hardcore on the assault bike or you're pushing a sled where you're like, man, like I'm going to puke, but it's not like anything that's like unorthodox. Right. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was when you're playing with Rob, did you ever just like look at him? Like it'd be like, God, he's going to freaking crush it in the league. Was there ever like a moment you kind of just had in your gut, you knew he was going to be like as good as he is. And there, there was, there was a moment when um, it was actually, it was going into his junior year. So mm. uh, it was when he got hurt, you know, it was spring ball. Uh, he was killing it, man. Absolutely killing it. No one could cover him. And, uh, we were going in, it was, I was going into my senior season. I'm like, man, this kid is going to kill it this year. And that's when he got hurt. So he ended up getting hurt, um, lifting, you know, I think it was squatting or, or yeah, I think it was actually deadlifting uh, because, and kind of going back to the ego thing at college, like, right. The, the strength coach has to have the strongest guy so we can brag to the other strength coaches about it. And um, also with college, man, like they don't, they're not responsible for you. So like, mm-hmm. you know, the NFL, they are. So, when you get to the NFL, the training itself is it's it's actually less intense and it's on you. So if you want to go that hard, you can, but they're also responsible for you. So if you get hurt, they're paying all your bills. They're paying all your medical bills. You know, they're paying you know after that as well. So um, until you're healthy again, so completely different mentality. Whereas in college, it was, you know, we're going to do as much as we possibly can, because if you get hurt, they you know, they, they might pay for, you know, your surgery. They might not even pay for that. They might just pay for your rehab and, and go to the next guy. And, and then you have to sit there and fight for it. So man, that, that was, um, that, that was a huge, huge difference, but getting back. So what was actual, so playing with Rob or what was the actual question? Well, was there ever like a moment where you were like, oh, just yeah, looking yeah. at your brother and you're like, dude, he's going to freaking crush it in the NFL. So that's when it was, man. So it was leading up to uh, his junior year and, he was unstoppable. And I remember uh, Mark Stoops at the time, Coach Shockey, Coach Jeremy Shockey. And he was like, man, like I've never seen a tight end like this, though. And so, mm. you know, we were we, we probably would have won the Pac-10 that year if Rob was healthy. And the day he got hurt, man, the coaches, everyone was just, you know, they were so bummed because we had the squad. We had Nick Foles there at the time. And 
we had the team. And then once Rob went down, you know, we still ended up having a really good year, but we just didn't get to the, you know, the championship. And that would have been the, the turning point for us would have been having Rob out there. Yeah. And I got to imagine, I guess, from, from your perspective and your siblings, I mean, I just, you see it a lot, right. Where, you know, one of the brothers or one of the sisters like makes it and the others don't, even though they all play in the same sport, did you ever have any kind of like jealousy or envy towards him? Or was it always like super, you were always kind of just super supportive. Cause I mean, just from the looks of it, you guys look like you just freaking have fun with each other all the time. So I just didn't know if like, you know, deep down you're like, man, like I wish I had like his talent or I wish I was taller or whatever it was. Yeah, man, he's got five inches on me. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's, I mean, back in the day, man, that's all it was, right? Like mm. growing up, we were so competitive. If any of us got any more recognition than the other person, you were jealous, man. And so it would turn into a brawl. It would turn into you know, talking <laughs> trash, making fun of them, whatever you could. But as we grew up and we started playing together on the same teams, and you go through tough situations together. Mm. It really builds this bond. And you start, you know, you help each other up and you build each other up on everything. And, you know, when you go through tough times like college, man, we just grinding, grinding, grinding. And then, you know, we go and trade for the combine. He's hurt. He's trying to come back from it. He's two weeks out from pro day and you know, he can't even run yet. And you go through all these crazy situations. The bond is so tight at that point. And all you do after that is, you know, you realize how hard you guys have worked to get there. And it's just all support at that time. So, you know, for me, um, I didn't even think I had a chance. So for me to get four credited seasons in, you know, get all the pension, the benefits and all that was huge. And then once I was done, it wasn't like, man, you know, uh, I'm jealous of Rob. It was like, hell yeah, I get all the benefits still, and I'm not getting my <laughs> ass whooped anymore on the field. So, you know, I was able to, you know, go to games and, and still get, you know, go to all the parties and do everything because Rob was crushing it and still kind of get all those benefits while just chilling on the sidelines watching, man. So it was actually a, a, an amazing feeling. And, you know, that, that's how it was, man. We're all just supporting him and, and his career at that point going to the games and that was kind of our, our family get togethers every week yeah and you're right I think when you go through hard times with people it it, it gives you an opportunity to grow together and develop an even more intimate and intense bond that at times cannot be broken I mean my brothers and I we grew up with our parents getting split and we created this almost inseparable bond between us. I mean, even though we all live different lives now, we all kind of still come back to each other when we need when we need each other, right? And it looks like it's the same thing for you. And and sometimes our biggest setbacks can become our biggest blessings, Chris. And like I think for me, you know, I was incarcerated on felony drug charges back in 2008. I thought my life was over. I just had I had all these dreams that were shattered. I thought I was going to be a you know, an addict and a felon the rest of my life. And I ended up finding fitness when I was incarcerated and it saved my life. And you just never really re realize like in those darkest times that like something really amazing is going to come out of it. And for you, I know one of your biggest blessings was when your career ended in the NFL. And I'm sure at the moment, in the moment you're like, man, like, gosh, I can't believe I didn't make another year. I can't believe I didn't retire, you know, X, Y, and Z. How did you, how did you make that transition from, kind of the letdown of like no longer being in the NFL to kind of, you know, kickstarting into becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, man, that's, that, that's the big situation, the toughest situation for mm -hmm. everyone to get through. You know, as an athlete, that's all, you know, you know that's all you've yeah. done for, for years. I mean, really since high school, you know, some guys even before that. So that's your identity, man. That's all, you know, that's all that's on your resume is, is athlete and that's it. So once you leave the NFL, man, you also go from, you know, this great paycheck to, you know, maybe 60,000 a year if you're lucky, you know, that's a pretty good starting wage for someone with no experience in, in an industry. So 
uh, man, it's tough. It's tough mentally um, it, as well to, to take that. And so a lot of guys struggle with it and it takes them years to, to fall into that position. But you know, like you said, it was, it was almost a blessing in disguise. I got hurt um, in my fourth year. Uh, I took an injury settlement. Once you get hurt in the camp and you're not a superstar player, you're pretty much damaged goods at that time. So uh, they'll release you and they'll pay you out with what they call an injury settlement. So uh, they'll pay you as long as they think you're going to be hurt for. So they paid me for three games, which led to accredited season. Um, but it was really high ankle sprain that took me three months to recover from. So they got me pretty good on that. But um tried to come back, ran a 40 yard dash and ruptured my hamstring on my third step out. And it was either have surgery um, or just, you know, give it up and, and go, you know, onto the next phase of my life. So I always count that as my blessing because guys try for so long to come back and they spend years and years and they waste all this extra time fighting to come back into the league when it's probably not going to happen at that point. And people weren't knocking on my door. You know, I, I had great opportunities and, you know, uh, it wasn't like they were still there. So uh, it was an easy, easy transition for me because my wife also started a business uh, in my third year and she started it because she was sick of going out to job interviews every time I went to a new team. So three teams <laughs> in three years, actually four teams. And then from college, it was actually five, you know, five moves in five years. And uh, after the third one, she's like, hell no, I'm not going out and finding a new job just so next year I could get another job. So she wanted to find a way to work from home and, and, and she did. And she started hand painting wine glasses. And I saw it as like, you know, this little hobby that's going nowhere, but pretty soon they started to sell and they started to sell and she had to find a way to scale up and she started to scale it up. And uh, at that time I, I ended my first um, contract with um, the Broncos. So I was, I was actually looking for a new team. So I had this little break and I started looking into the business and realized that it was a huge opportunity. Uh, you know, it was personalized gifts. The only one really doing it was things you remember that you find in the mall. It was super expensive. It was long turnaround times. And, you know, we had a way to do it fast, most of the time, same day and do it for a lot cheaper just through online and, and, and through the Etsy platform and, and our own website. So I uh, started pouring money into it, putting the NFL money into commercial grade laser engravers and, and, and other machines to, to personalize gifts. And soon enough, um, you know, it took off. You know, I ended up signing with the Chargers. Um, you know, I was there for a couple of months. I got hurt and I had this to fall back on. So uh, it, it wasn't too hard. And I just poured everything into it. So I went from, you know, everything in, in football, to, you know, the long days, just right over to, to business and, and putting the long hours in with, with my wife's business and did that for about five years until man, I thought of the idea for ice shaker, which I eventually got onto to shark tank and going into four years with now. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible, man. Cause you see a lot of people transition out of the league and they lose themselves. Right. Cause that is your identity. It's all, you know, like from, you know, you, y'all didn't start playing until you were in high school, but some kids start playing when they're like five, six years old. And then they end up playing until, you know, they retire from the NFL and then they end up not knowing what to do with themselves. They put on a bunch of weight, right. A lot of them, you know, become addicted to drugs or they just, they just don't ever really um, rediscover themselves. And it's inspiring that you not only kind of rediscovered yourself, but, you created a business out of it and you did it, you know, also alongside of your family and your wife has the entrepreneur spirit in her as well, it seems. And the one thing that I think is required before we get into talking more about ice shaker with um, being an entrepreneur is work ethic. And I think nobody can argue that, you know, you have to have impeccable work ethic to be a professional athlete and an entrepreneur. So what are some things that you do or have done 
that have helped you develop like an unbeatable work, work ethic? Cause I mean, I, I did see you say something along the lines, like, you know, I'm not the tallest, so I'm going to have to be the strongest. You said something like that, like yeah, in a, in a quote of yours, right? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, I wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC featuring Golden Superfood Bliss, a product from her Earth Echo Foods line. Imagine drinking a rich and creamy elixir loaded with goodness and sweet enough to satisfy any sweet tooth. This blend is focused around turmeric, a potent spice that's perfect for supporting a healthy inflammatory response, helping you shed stubborn pounds, improving digestion, and supporting your mental health. Then it's blended with black pepper, coconut milk, MCT oil, amla fruit, cinnamon bark, ginger root, ashwagandha, and a unique blend of mushrooms including reishi, shiitake, mataki, and lion's mane. Ever try golden milk? It pales in comparison to this. It's truly indulgent. Golden Superfood Bliss will help to elevate your well-being and prepare you to take on the world and live your best life. Not only that, it is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, they have been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Again, it's earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug to learn more about the amazing benefits of Golden Superfood Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Heck yeah, man. No, that was the truth. I was a little short, fat one too, man. So uh, my brothers would just, so I was, I was fat enough that my nipples when I was little would like go in. Like they were like covered. <laughs> yeah, by me fat, too. Basically. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I get it. So they would just rip on me, rip on me, rip on me. And, um, you know, that led me, led to me, you know, going in the basement and, and working out every day and, uh, you know, I, I might've been the, the shortest, but I, I had to have something, man. So, you know, it, I will crush the weights. I think I still hold some high school records, uh, from that as well, but man, the work ethic, it, it really was just instilled with us, uh, from our parents, man. Mm. You know, it, it was, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur himself. He was working two jobs for six years to get his, his business off the ground. Uh, he's now, you know, the second largest, uh, distributor of fitness equipment in, in the U S so. Uh, we watched him and, you know, we watched my mom, you know, she probably had more than a full-time job raising five of us. And, you know, every day she had this ridiculous calendar with 10 to 12, you know, different events that she had to drive us to and get us ready for. But, um, you know, everything had to be earned and that's what our parents instilled in us. So, you know, if you want something awesome, you know, find a way to get it, you know, get that paper route, you know, you're going to umpire games. I was working for my dad when I was 15, um, you know, delivered treadmills in, in the inner city of Buffalo. So, um, you know, if you wanted a car, great, you know, save up your money, buy a car. You want to go to college? That's awesome. You're paying for it or, mm. you know, find a way to get a, get a scholarship. And, and so that, that was always there. We always knew the value of a dollar. We, we, we do what hard work was. And, you know, when you get that instilled in you at an early age, it's great. You know, you might not like it then, but it just becomes a part of you and that's all, you know, so, uh, I think my parents did a really good job with that. And then on top of that, my mom, you know, she was always making sure we actually had our homework done and that we did our schoolwork, which I think was huge as well. You know, it wasn't just go outside and play. It was actually get home, do your homework. It better be done. And then you could go outside and play. So we always had that aspect as well instilled into us. Uh, and so I think that also helps you, you know, through, through school and, and through business as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said for, um, like role models in your life. And I think the parent, your parents have a perfect opportunity to show through their actions, not just their words on how to live. Right. And I think there's so much to be said for 
you get what you earn. And I think no one's going to hand you anything. And I think so many people these days, Chris, are like waiting for people to hand them money. If they're waiting for them to waiting to be handed an opportunity, they're waiting for them to be handed, you know, a relationship or a job, whatever it is. And it never comes because that's not how life works. It's not true. I mean, in an, in an ideal world, of course, like if you're struggling and you just want to clap your hands five times and something appears, I mean, yeah, that'd be great. But at the same time, you don't get the lessons, you don't get the wisdom, you don't get the, the grit because you didn't work for it. And so you don't appreciate it as enough as much. So, you know, you pivot into entrepreneurship and you take this incredible work ethic of yours into pretty much being unbeatable and not giving up and you start, you know, ice shaker. So what separates like ice shaker from the traditional like blender bottle, you know, shaker cups that makes it different other than just keeping um, your shake cold? Yeah, man. So it, it really came about as an idea for myself and Mm. I'm in Texas now and um, yeah, I was going to the gym. I was probably going to the gym twice a day. So I was just, man, that was, that's my stress relief, right? That keeps me uh, physically and mentally in shape. So I was going to the gym, it was super hot out. And um, by the time I got there, you know, my, my water was warm, I was sweating everywhere. It tasted awful. And I just, I knew there had to be something better out there. So uh, went home, looked for something, but you know, out of all the insulated bottles on the market, there was nothing that was just easy to fill. Uh, easy to clean and then also you know with the ability to shake so that was really the goal man like i wanted a bottle that i could use all day every day no matter where i went instead of having to you know go home and grab a different shaker bottle just for the gym or just for a shake i just wanted one and then i wanted it to have the ability you know to um you know to blend as well you know i didn't want like this ridiculously small hole where i had to like you know use a funnel to get stuff in and you know use a certain brush to, to clean it so I set out on this mission because I couldn't find it. And I just wanted to make the best bottle that I could for myself. So it is, um, you know, it's the classic shaker bottle, right? That, that you love with easy open pop top. Uh, we ended, we added a handle on it. That's super easy to hold. Uh, we put measurement markings inside of it and then made it of a kitchen grade insulated stainless steel. So it's not going to absorb the odor like the plastic bottle does. It's actually made of the same material that like, you know, your kitchen fork would be made of. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we insulated it. So it will keep your drink hot or cold for an extended period of time to where if you filled it with just ice, it would last over 30 hours before it all melted. And then the last thing we added was, um, you know, an agitator. And this really separated us because the last thing we wanted to do was add a ball, right? The blender bottle ball. And um, you put one of those in a metal cup and a metal ball in a metal cup is just the most annoying thing in the world. And so um, we had to find a way around that. So we added this agitator. What we found out really quick is that it, it, it doubled up for so many other things. So uh, it actually adds, act like a strainer. So when you're drinking a bunch of ice out of insulated cup, it clogs the spout and you don't get any water out. So this actually stops that from happening. Uh, it's silent when you shake it, it breaks up the protein. Uh, but it also, um, you know, that strainer function as well, it works really well for people that like to party. So it actually turns into like, you know, an actual cocktail shaker too. <laughs> And uh, straightens the ice out when you're pouring it or anything else like that. And then um, last but not least, we get, we get a lot of customers that will actually use it as a fruit infuser as well. That's amazing, man. It's such a great concept. And it's so like, it's funny. Like I was saying before we recorded, I was like, man, you see these ideas. You're like, man, I should have thought of that. It was so easy yet, you know, so needed, right? Is like having an authentically like pure and clean shaker bottle, right? Because I know from, from me, from using this old school blender bottles at the gym, like that's the worst is like 
Where's the blender ball? Is it, can I leave it in my car for like an hour without the protein, like stinking up the bottle and stinking up my car? Like, is it, can I put water in it? Like, how do I like transition and make this like a more than just like a protein shake cup? You know what I mean? That you're just walking around with. And um, I, I love the idea. I love what you did. I saw the episode on Shark Tank. So how did that all come about? Did you, was it through relationships or was it random? Like, how did that work for you all to get on Shark Tank? Yeah, that, that was it was epic, man. It was a, I think it was a four-year-old email is what it came down to. Uh, as a, what I was, when I was playing with, let's see, with the Broncos in 2012, we'll get, we'll get emails from our agent from just different people reaching out and it'll be like this mass email to every, every one of his players. And so, you know, I wouldn't really read them, but this one came through and it was like, Hey, uh, opportunity to go on ABC Shark Tank. You know, they're looking for, for former current, current or, or, or former athletes to come on the show. And, um, you know, I saw it, I had absolutely nothing, you know, to present at that time, but I loved the show and I just started, man. I saved it. And I was like, man, one day I'm going to think of this sweet idea. I'm going to hit them back. And so that day didn't come for, I think it was four or five, maybe five years later, I hit this email back thinking like, you know, they're actually going to still be there and like answer it. Right. So I shot it back and the girl was like, I don't work here anymore. Um, but within like five minutes, she emailed me back again and was like, Hey, I actually found the girl that does. And here's her email. And so she connected me. I sent it over. You know, she sent her over the idea and um, they just asked for a video submission. So uh, sent over this video and they asked, they, they kind of told me what needed to be on it, but I knew it was kind of like this one shot, one opportunity kind of thing. Like I need to make this good. So I made it as entertaining as I possibly could. And with my own editing skills, like, which was none, but, um, just, just put together some clips of me, like ripping off my shirt, like working out, you know, showing some touchdown passes. You know, I threw Rob in there. I'm like, you got to get in on this video for a second and, uh, you know, set it in. And it was pretty entertaining. And I wish I still had it because people ask me all the time, but I didn't even know how to use YouTube at the time. So I asked, I think my brother to put it on his YouTube channel and you have to use it as like an unlisted uh, YouTube video. And so submitted it and just waited for it to be watched to see if, if someone watched it or not. And a couple of days later, I saw like five or six people watched it and um just sat by my phone waiting got the call back and they were like that was that was awesome yeah that was that was a great video and i'm like oh okay sweet uh i knew it was going to be their awesome or the worst video ever so uh they liked it and they said they wanted to move forward so i, I got the opportunity you know, months later paperwork later background uh you know checks all that stuff um i, I was able to go and, and actually pitch on the show yeah, that was an epic video, like just watching you, you come out first and then you're like, I got someone, I got other people here to support me and you bring, you know, your, your brothers on there and it was freaking funny to watch. And yeah, man, it was like an, it was like a comedy show. It was like, it was so entertaining to watch. And then like you actually get them to invest, right? You got what A-Rod and Cuban both invested, right? They both, they give you like 150 grand. Yeah. So yeah, man, I went from being like looking kind of swollen and big on the show to having my four brothers run out and like I was a small guy on stage. <laughs> You're like, wait, I should, like, I have oh, done, should I have really done that? <laughs> so, nah, it, yeah, it was epic. So we played them in flip cup. Um, yeah, so man, have, having the, it's just light lighting up the room as well, man. Uh, but yeah, we were able to um, get all five of sharks to make an offer and then blocked up the deal with, with Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez. And it was baseball, man. It was, you know, MLB, NBA, um, and NFL all kind of coming together. And that was exactly what I was looking for. That's, inc that's incredible, man. It just shows that with hard work, dedication, and inspiration, some amazing things can happen. Like you literally took 
you know, it's just funny because it started with like, really, if you look back, like your wife painting wine glasses, right? Yeah. And then, like, you're like, wow, like I'm going to like get down with some of this like engraving material myself. So you start building relationships there. And then you combine that with your passion for now, you know, working out in fitness. And you're like, man, like I see a need here with a shaker bottle. And then you create something um, out of that. And then like, it just all comes together and you're on the show that is you know, the biggest entrepreneur show in the world. And not only are you on there, you do what a lot of people don't do and you end up selling the sharks on an idea, right? That they bought into um, and invested some money in it. And I think, you know, a lot of people are, are sitting back and being like, well, he just got that because of his family name and everything. But really like from hearing what you said, you got that because you worked at it and because of you not being a victim when you left the league and being like, you know what, like my career here is over, but my life isn't over. I'm going to find a new identity as an entrepreneur. I'm going to use that business background I have and my skills as um, somebody who has developed this incredible, you know, dedication and determination and drive to be an NFL athlete to now do the same as an entrepreneur. So what have been some of the hardest challenges that you faced with the company and what are you doing to get through them? Yeah, man. So now nah, you hit it right on, man, because that's what a lot of people say, like, oh, yo, it was just handed to you kind of deal, right? You know, nothing's handed to you. And it, even with how simple the idea is and, you know, people are like, wow, that's, a, that's so smart. I can't believe no one did that. And it was an absolute grind to get those first couple sales. You know, even with the following or the family name, whatever it was, no one cares. You know, if it's something that they've never heard of before, they're not going to trust it. They're not just going to buy it because, you know, you created something. So it's, it's difficult to sell. I mean, the first week, uh, you know, I think I've sold like two of them and mm -hmm. I was like, man, like I got to figure something out really quick or this is going nowhere. Cause I just ordered 5,000 of them and they're sitting in my they're upstairs in my house and <laughs> my wife's going to kill me if they sit there for the next <laughs> six months. So, uh, man, that's, that's when the grind started, you know, that's, that's really what started it. And, um, Man, the tough times, to, and to get through those, you know, the, the first tough time was, um, you know, the first 5,000 that we got, over half of them, just by literally filling them up and holding them upside down, they leak. And so after like 20 different prototypes and all these different seals and like everything had to be perfect, you get the first batch in and somehow the pop top on them, you know, they were made in pairs of two or something like that. And, and one of them was messed up and it didn't seal correctly. So you couldn't tell by looking at it. You literally had to change out every single lid and um, I had to go back and, and changing out 5,000 upstairs to your house, man, it, it sucks. And just, um, that was, that was months of work, you know, after work, I'd come home and I just sit there and change out lids, change out lids, change out lids, you know, repackage it, make sure it looked perfect. There's no streaks on it. I mean, stainless steel, if you touch it, especially if your hands are greasy, man, it, it, it marks it. So, you know, I wanted to make sure each and every bottle that was going out was perfect. And, um, that, that was kind of that, that very first process that, you know, if I didn't absolutely love this and, and have passion for this product, I would have gave up, man, because that was a lot, you know, that sucked. I didn't need it either. You know, that's what I, I don't think people realize either. It's like, I didn't need to start this other company at all. You know, the wife's business was crushing. We we're making a lot of money. I was, you know, we were very well off between that and NFL money. And I did this just because I wanted to, you know, I, I did it because it was my passion. So uh, anyone that says, you know, he was just, you know, it was just handed to him as lucky and all that. It just wasn't the case at all. You know, it took a ton of hard work to get it off the ground. You know, our first, before I even reached out to Shark Tank, uh, the first three months we were about at 30,000 in sales. Um, 
that was before I reached out. I wanted to have some kind of proof of concept before I even talked to them. And then once we finally got on at six months, you know, we were at 80,000 in sales and Shark Tank, um, you know, it did, it did, it did what they say it does. And we went from that 80,000 to, we did over 3 million in the next 12 months and it exploded. So, uh, you know, that was huge. So to, to get on the show was definitely a, a blessing. And I definitely had help with the family name for that. But all the other work leading up to that, man, that that was just straight up hustle. Yeah, for sure. I mean, nothing's handed to you in life. And I think the people that think that it was are the people that are just still waiting around wishing they would put in the work to get after what they want. I mean, you know, not everyone has the athletic ability to be a professional athlete, right? But everybody has the ability to give it their best at whatever they're great at and improve and I think the one thing that I love talking to people about on here is you just brought up like a good point. Like when you're going through times where you're of uncertainty and you don't know if you're going to make it, like you said, you barely sold any products at the beginning before we recorded, you said you had a, a following and made a post and didn't sell one bottle. Right. So what are some staples in your routine, Chris, that you stick to on a, on a daily basis or weekly basis that kind of keep you grounded for, um, you know, when times get stressful? Man, that's, that's, that's the workout, man. I know, right? That's definitely the gym um, for me. I mean, it's, it's pretty much an everyday thing. It's almost a problem because you know, I was, before COVID hit, I was going literally seven days a week to the gym. But um, that's helped me a lot, man. I think physically, but, but mentally even more. Because um, for me, especially tough times, man, I just have to accomplish something. Mm. And for me to get to the gym in the morning and accomplish something, feel good about myself, you know, I'm ready for the day. And, it, and also, man, when you push yourself hard, nothing else is hard the rest of the day, man. So you go in the gym and like, man, you're, you're going hard, you know, to get, get on a phone call and, and, you know, have a conversation with someone. Isn't that, isn't that difficult anymore, man? You know, to, to go, uh, you know, unload some box or whatever it is, man, I'm, I'm fired up. Like I'm ready to go. So I've always been a, a huge fan of hitting the gym, uh, to, to get the stress levels down, man. So, uh, COVID switched that up a little bit, but I still found ways to get it done at home because it, it just has to be done for me. Yeah. I mean, fitness has that unique power, right? To not only impact us physically, but mentally and emotionally as well, right? Channeling that negative crap that we carry within us, you know, sometimes into something that is po powerful and positive and can actually make you feel better as soon as you do it. I mean, there's, there's never anybody that goes and lifts or works out. I'm just like, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have worked out today. I mean, granted, yeah. there's, there's, there's maybe some like, you know, very rare cases where someone like tears something, but yeah. I would say like 99% of the time people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that I did it. I mean, I know just yesterday I had went for a run in the morning and I was like, you know, which I know you said you've been getting more into running lately. Right. So, and I yep. know for me, I was like, I need to like do some like strength stuff. So I like eight o'clock at night, I go to the a local playground here and I bang out like a couple hundred pull-ups. Cause I was just like, I need to do something. And afterwards I was like, gosh, I'm so thankful that I did that. Like I was a like, concern. I was like, am I going to be able to sleep? Am I, what am I going to eat? Like, you know, but then you do it and you're like, you know what, like I'll figure it out. And it's just, you're so grateful that, you know, you were able um, to kind of, you know, make the sacrifice and do things that you don't really want to do because that's how you build you know, fortitude. That's how you build grit. That's how you build self-confidence is doing the things that you know you should be doing on a regular basis. And, you know, the last question I want to ask you is this, is you've gone through a lot, man. So you've gone through a lot as an athlete. You've gone through a lot in your family. You've gone through a lot as an entrepreneur. Now having your own family with 
um, with your wife and everything in Texas, like what would you tell like young Gronk at, you know, young Chris Gronk at like age 12, if you're looking back and talking to him now? Man, that's a lot, a lot for sure. <laughs> man, for me, I, I would say, I would say, man, just, just be confident, man, and be who you are. I think that's huge. Uh, I think one of the things is that, that confidence, there's so much strength and confidence. Yeah. And people don't realize that, but, um, you know, it comes off maybe it's cocky or whatever, but you have to have confidence in yourself and it can't be fake. You have to believe it. And, um, you know, being, you know, suppose, you know, the shortest, the smallest, you know, the slowest or whatever it was in the family, I just never believed that I could get to that next level. You know, teachers just constantly would say, you know, get your grades because it's probably not happening for you. And so the confidence level was really never there until I finally built it up in myself. And, you know, people started coming in and saying, hey, you know, you know, you do have a chance. And, and, and that's when things started to change. But until then, it was, you know, I pretty much have given up on that, that, that dream or even that ability to go to the next level just because I was told so many times that it wasn't there. So uh, for me, it, it would be, if I could, I would go back and just say, hey, man, you know, be you, uh, your beast, you know, have the confidence because you're going to do great things. It's amazing, man. You're absolutely right. I think it all starts in the mind. It all starts with the way you talk to yourself because, you know, the, the way you talk to yourself then becomes the way you act and the way you act and becomes who you are as a person, right? And I think if you're constantly telling yourself, oh, like you're too small, you're too fat, you're too weak, like you're not going to make it. But if you tell yourself, you know what, like you might be the smallest, you might not be in the best shape right now, but we're going to get you in the best damn shape you can get to. So that way it at least gives you an opportunity and a chance like to be that person you wanted to be. So, man, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on here. Where can people find out more about the Ice Shaker, what you got going on? I know you got the Gronked Up podcast too. So um, just where can people find out more about you? Man, we're everywhere. So, um, <laughs> man, for real, I was just watching uh, our YouTube channel this morning. So we, we launched a channel with all five brothers at youtube.com slash the Gronks. But one of the videos just took off. It's, it was a it's trivia, man. It's pretty funny. But <laughs> we, don't, we don't know that much about pop culture. So some of the questions got... <laughs> got really interesting but check me out at chris Krakowski. um you know twitter instagram everywhere tiktok man i'm, I'm on it all and then um you know iceshaker.com and then at iceshaker bottle on all the social handles as well and then last but not least grocked up podcast so um anywhere you can listen to podcasts i'm on there as well and um yeah man it's been it's been good Awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And yeah, I mean, those that are listening, you're going to get a lot out of this episode, just from a standpoint of just not giving up, not quitting, and knowing there's so much adversity that Chris hit between, you know, not really being the best athlete in the family and having a guy, you know, he, he that he was competing with as a kid go on to be like one of the most, you know, accomplished professional athletes ever, right. And then also being that person that, you know, loved football and loved sports and then ending up having his career kind of end and then having to really pivot hard and decide he could have made a choice to just throw in the towel and be like, you know what, like, screw it. I'm going to eat, you know, Doritos and I'm going to eat cheesesteaks and I'm just going to get fat and not care anymore because my career is over, but he pivoted hard and, you know, made um, some really tough decisions and put in a lot of hard work to get to where he is with, the Ice Shaker Company and the podcast and everything he's now doing uh, with his brothers. So I invite people to just share the episode, tag Chris, tag Ice Shaker, tag myself with your biggest takeaway, um, whether it was something he talked about how he overcame adversity, whether it was something that he talked about was being an entrepreneur, the NFL, whatever it was. Um, we appreciate your support 
And once again, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we will see you next time.